The following is a presentation of the Eastern Michigan Sports Network from Learfield. Straight from the 734, it's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Presented by Folding Warehouse, Ipsy, Ann Arbor. Your chance to get in on the action. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all. Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. The snow might be falling outside last weekend, Alex Jewell, but it was hot and heavy in terms of EMU basketball and football coverage. Oh, what a week it was, and a big congratulations goes out to Chris Creighton and the entire football program. Bowl eligible once again, Greg Steiner. It's become an every year type of affair here at Eastern Michigan. And I'll tell you what, sometimes you have to just pinch yourself a little bit and remember how far this program's come. Now, Still not satisfied with the sixth win. There's a lot left to do in this football season. That'll get going on Wednesday night once again in Kent State. We'll talk about that on today's show. And then Friday night was one of the best environments I've ever seen for an Eastern Michigan sporting event. If you are listening and we're at the game at Little Caesars Arena, Eastern Michigan men's basketball, number 22 Michigan, I think on behalf of the whole athletic department, on behalf of Stan Heath, on behalf of the players, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming out to support Eastern Michigan basketball. It was an electric atmosphere, Greg. It felt like an NCAA tournament game. The punches were getting thrown back and forth, and uh, it was so competitive to see our players going out there and doing what they did. Unfortunately, it came up just short at the end, but man, I think this team has some pieces as we move forward. Yeah, you certainly mentioned it. We talked about it on the air. It felt like you, Tyson and Holyfield going at it. Each time Eastern would answer, Michigan would come back. The Eagles held a lead for a majority of that game, and I think a lot of people are talking about Imani Bates, and they should, but Noah Farrakhan was really, really good in that game too. Well, Noah Farrakhan, Imani Bates, the whole team played well. We're going to talk more some some details, but first, let's take a listen to this week's rundown. It was another fun week across Eastern Michigan University Athletics last week with plenty of impressive notes to take away. Men's and women's basketball opened their seasons Monday, November 7th in front of the home crowd at the George Griffin Game Above Center. The women defeated Lindenwood behind an eerie Eptanazi Mamadu double-double, while the men took care of Wayne State. Freshman Orlando Lovejoy debuted with 18 points. Football stole the show Tuesday evening, earning bowl eligibility with a 34-28 win over Akron. Samson Evans ran for two touchdowns and is now one rushing score away from tying EMU's all-time program record. The football team is bowl eligible for the fifth time under head coach Chris Creighton. This season, 12 players will become the first student-athletes in EMU history to play in four bowl games. Elsewhere, men's and women's cross-country took part in the Great Lakes Regional in Terre Haute, Indiana, while tennis traveled to Kalamazoo for the WMU invite. The doubles pairing of Sabina Burkakova and Purna Vakari highlighted the effort with two wins on the weekend. Swimming and diving fell just short in its meet against Oakland on Saturday, while volleyball dropped a pair of matches to Northern Illinois on Friday and Saturday, respectively. Men's basketball took number 22 Michigan to the wire Friday night inside Little Caesars Arena in front of a crowd of 15,000 strong. Amani Bates starred in his debut with the Green and White, dropping 30 points on 12 of 19 shooting and finishing with a 70% efficiency. Finally, women's basketball closed the week with a hard-fought victory at Southern Illinois University Edwardsville. Final score was 71-62. to That's it for this week's rundown. For full stats, scores, and so much more, visit emueagles.com or download the official EMU Athletics app. There it is. You heard about some of the box score highlights from the game against Michigan. Greg, you mentioned it. 
hard not to look at what Amani Bates did. 30 points, the shots that were falling. I mean, there's a difference between making shots and scoring. And then you watched some of the highlights. You heard the way the commentators were talking. And you see some people with some really good basketball acumen on social media, for example, talking about not just the shots he was hitting, but the type of shots they were. There were some moves in there, Greg, that certainly you could see why Imani Bates is solely, so highly touted and why many people think that his game will translate to the NBA. There were some off-kilter shots. And boy, he had a three from literally the Pistons logo. Yeah, it was a, a fantastic performance. Uh, tip of the cap to Michigan. They found a way to win. But again, I think this proves that Eastern can compete on a national stage. And you figure uh, they'll get a chance coming up on Tuesday against Bradley and then into the Cancun Challenge. But there are not many teams on the schedule that will have the same offensive firepower as Eastern has all year long. No, you wouldn't think so. But here's what I would say. And I think we have to be fair. We're going to learn a lot about Eastern Michigan. Well, we did learn a lot about Eastern Michigan on Friday night against Michigan. But we are going to learn a lot about Eastern Michigan again Tomorrow night, it starts with the game against Bradley. This is not a slouch team in Bradley. If you know anything about them, you'll know that they're currently ranked number one on the collegeinsider.com top 25 mid-major pool. So this is a team that many people consider to be an NCAA tournament threat, to be a a real um, positive team in college basketball this year on the men's side of things. And so we're going to learn a lot about it, right? Because in fairness, Greg, when you're playing against Michigan, your cross-county rival, you're playing at Little Caesars Arena where the Pistons play, you're playing in front of a true bona fide 15,000 fans, you're playing in front of some of the biggest high rollers in the state of Michigan. It was like a celebrity event on Friday night when you looked at the courtside seats. I think even Stan Heath would tell you, well, of course you're going to get up and play for that. Now, here's how you respond. How do you respond when you go to Peoria, Illinois on a Tuesday night 7 p.m. local time, 8 p.m. Eastern time. There's not going to be that many people in the stands comparatively. If Eastern Michigan can play well tomorrow night, I think we'll say that'll say more about the team than what it did at LCA. But LCA was thrilling, and I'm so happy for how the team played. Yeah, we certainly are. We also can't forget women's basketball is 2-0, finds a way to get it done against Lindenwood, and then goes, builds a great lead at SIU Edwardsville and able to hold on uh, for them. They get a chance this week against Florida A&M. It should be a good battle there. But Fred Castro needed to get off to a good start. And he has. 2-0 for the first time since 2018-19. A couple of really scrappy wins. Remember, this is a women's basketball team that has a lot of new look faces, a lot of players that haven't played together. You know, I think that's one similarity between men's basketball and women's basketball this year, Greg. The, The roster is talented up and down. But these players have only gelled together for a few games. And so to see the progress that both the men's team and the women's team has made already, when some of these players have only had two games of experience together, I think that's something that's really promising. So uh, a really good start for them. Eastern Michigan women's basketball, Greg, they're about to embark on five straight home games. They haven't had this non-conference stretch like that of home games in over a decade. So really uh, a good chance for you guys to come out and see some of the women's basketball team here at the George Griffin game above center over the next couple of weeks. And I know Fred Castro is really excited about that. By the way, we obviously want to talk to men's basketball and women's basketball about their hot starts, so we're going to do that on today's show. Both Stan Heath and Fred Castro able to join me for quick five-minute rundown segments that we're going to do about both of their starts. And I know you got a chance to sit down with Coach Creighton because basketball so exciting right now. But as we mentioned and teased at the start of the show, Greg, football still has a lot to play for, some things that haven't been done in uh, 
well, about 30 years here. The Coach Creighton, I think, is really trying to get checked off the box. Yeah, still trying to get to eight wins. That hasn't happened since you mentioned 1987 when the Eagles won 10 that year. It's something that matters to them. It will also help them cement a better bowl placement as the MAC looks at that deal. They know MAC teams are either going to, are guaranteed to go to the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, the Barstool Arizona Bowl, the Hometown Lenders Bahamas Bowl, and the Quick Lane Bowl. Those are guaranteed. And then it's a mixed bag of whatever two other ESPN events. So there's six MAC teams going, and more than likely, right now, looking at it, it's. Not they're not going to all have bull bids nationwide. So we're not so worried about are you going this year versus not. It's about where you're going this year. So that's what I was going to ask because for those of the people that are listening at home that may not know, six wins makes you eligible. It does not give you a guarantee. But this year, it seems like the way it's trending nationally, there will probably be just about enough teams to fill the bull spot. So in the years past where we've had six wins, it's been a question of are we going to get selected, are we not? Greg and I are both projecting that getting into a bowl game will not be an issue this year. But the bowl teams get to select, the bowl games, excuse me, get to select which team they would like in a certain order. And so the more wins you have, the more um, passionate your fan base is, the more you think that the matchup will help that could help us get into maybe a more favorable bowl game for our fans. Correct. Absolutely. That's the big thing. Right now, nationwide, they're expecting maybe even some five and seven teams going. That's why it's critical. Eastern can tack on more wins. It secures that better bowl. Uh, you too can go on right now, emueagles.com. Put where you wanted to go bowling with the Eagles and show us because that way we can take that data, present it right to those bowl chairmen and women and then show them why Eastern should be at their place this year. But this week will be an opportunity to go on the road in Kent, Ohio on Wednesday night, 6 p.m. start at Dick Stadium as Eastern will look for its fifth consecutive road win, something that's never happened in program history. Uh, Coach will talk about why it's been maybe different to play on the road versus home and just his thoughts. And this is a critical matchup. Right now, if you look at it, Bowling Green blasted uh, was blasted by Kent State last week. The Golden Flashes are in the fight of their life to get into a bowl, as are the Eagles' final opponent in Central Michigan. So the fight's going to be on. If you go on ESPN right now and look at that projector that they do, they think the Flashes have this one in the bag. And Coach talks about that. Well, uh, Michigan was 18.5-point favorites over Stan Heath's group on Friday night, and Stan Heath quickly eradicated that. Now, um, I do think it's going to be a great game on Wednesday night. Eastern Michigan has a lot of good matchups. Kent State playing really well right now. And real quick, just one more touch on the bull piece, Greg. For those that are wondering and for those that ask me and ask Greg, I promise you, I swear, I'll put my hand on whatever book you believe in and tell you, no. Greg and I do not have any inside information on where we're going to a bowl game. Last year, we literally got it 10 minutes before right. everybody else. So if you're wondering, Greg and I do get a, a lot of materials prepared for each and every game. If you're wondering how we put it out so fast, we just over-prepare that way. So if you, if you ask us when you see us, if you tweet at us, we really have no more information than you do at this point. We will find out maybe 10 to 15 minutes before the general public, maybe. So uh, it's certainly going to be interesting. People down the might stretch. accuse us of being state media, but we don't always that's know right. the Yeah, answers. that's true. We have been called Russian media and all sorts of things, uh, but we're, we're certainly no Bally sports. But anyways, uh, I think it's time for us to get to our show. Greg, real quick before we do that, we're not a political show. We're not a commentating show. And unfortunately, there's not a lot we can do. But I think you and I will both say really quickly, what's going down at the University of Virginia uh, is horrible, horrible travesty. 
uh, thoughts and prayers goes out to those families and that football program, especially that's, it's just got to stop. It's got to stop. And it's a problem. And, uh, three players, three human beings, doesn't matter whether they played football or not lost their lives. We're finding out now, uh, and we're getting more information as we're recording this in the morning. So unfortunately we don't have all of it yet. Uh, but as a program that has lost a player due to gun violence and a murder situation, like we did with Demarius Reed not too long ago. Uh, I know a lot of Eastern Michigan fans, family, and faithful have it in their heart. They know what it's like. So uh, if anybody has connections to that program down there, so sorry for what's going on down there and uh, just simply not okay. Yep, you're exactly right, Alex. This is a program that has went through it, unfortunately, years back. It leaves a, a hurt on a program that will never go away. And we certainly think about everybody at, at UVA right now going through a really tough time. And we hope that... Uh, they get some answers and really, really soon. So take a few minutes today, reach out to somebody you haven't talked to in a while, reach out to somebody that you know cares about you, reach out to somebody that maybe needs to know that you care about them. It takes 30 seconds. Do not be the person that leaves this earth with regrets about, I should have said this to somebody, I should have reached out to somebody. Take the chance to do it right now, right here. There is no excuse. With that in mind, we do have a podcast to get to, Greg, so we want to turn that on and get everybody ready for a great week of Eastern Michigan athletics. We're going to take a quick time out on the other side of this break. It's Greg Steiner with Chris Creighton, and then I get five minutes each with Stan Heath and Fred Castro. Can we stick to the time limit? You'll have to listen to find out on the Eastern Insider Podcast. Whether you're in the D or out at sea, we always bring you the E on the only show that brings you all things Eastern all the time. The Eastern Insider Podcast. Eagles became bowl eligible once again with a victory on the road at Akron. 34-28 the win. They were able to hold on in that contest as we're joined by head coach Chris Creighton. It was one of those games that is proven the Mid-American Conference style all year long. Team gets up, the other team finds a way to battle back. This league just once again proves that it is so competitive, Coach. You look at it, 38 MAC contests this year across the league. 21 of them have come down to one possession. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. I'm not surprised by that at all. Yeah, and we, uh, you know, we we found ourselves in that in that situation. You know, just listening to you know, to chase speak or answer the question in there about, uh, you know, why the locker room was not, you know, all that celebratory and um, not taking anything away from, from Akron because I had um, great respect for, for how they played and, and how they fought and how they've played all season long. Um, you know, but we were up and, and did have an opportunity, um, you know, to finish strong. Um, and again, credit to Akron, but, you know, we feel as though, I know, uh, you know, offensively we played really well in the first half. Um, and, uh, the second half was just a bunch of miscues, um, until we got to the final possession, yep. where we were able to run the, run the clock out. So uh, I know defensively, um, you know, we're a little disappointed as well, um, in that, in that second half. I know we talked after the game, when you talk about that second half. You find yourself at one point up 31-14. Is it, is it hard sometimes that guys think, okay, we've got this, and you take the foot off the pedal, and then you have to rev it yourself back up? Or was it just strictly some of those miscues? You know, I didn't get the sense that um, 
that we were going to come out yeah. and and feel as though that the game was locked up. Sure. I, you know, but I mean, I also, you know, I'm I'm focused on other things, and so that that very well could have been the case. Right. But I mean, the the honest answer is, you know, <laughs> great football teams right. don't have that issue. Um, you know, it's I mean, who is anybody in this league to think that okay, you get up and the and the game's over? I mean, that's just um, uh, a great football team, you know doesn't do that. Right. Um, and uh, so anyway, um, still found a way to, to finish it off, which was good. Yep. Uh, able to get three interceptions in that contest. All guys picking up their first career INT, Kempton Shine, uh, as well as Joe Sparacio becoming the first EMU linebacker since Jalen Pickett against Charlotte in 18 to pick off a pass. With the change of this defense, the interceptions have also been coming. How is that just opposition quarterback not expecting them or right place, right time sometimes? No, nah, it's probably a combination. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think um, Josh Scott's interception, um, we probably caught him thinking that we were in in man yeah. um, and I got into a zone on that. And so um, our defense has always been really good at, at disguising. Um, uh, I think, uh, you know, Kemp does just great break on the ball. Um, so. Uh, and then Joe was, um, you know, definitely in the right place um, and uh, was a big play for. So, um, yeah, I mean, the we are putting, you know, more pressure, trying to put more pressure on quarterbacks and, um, you know, trying to change up some of the looks. So uh, that's probably the result. Another big day for Samson Evans, 24 carries, 133 yards and two scores. Uh, but there was a scary moment. He went down on the sideline at one point. Everybody kind of took that collective breath, but then Samson pops right out, goes to the tent, and later that series back on just, again, proves how tough this guy is and how much he also wants to be out there supporting this football team. Yeah, no, he um, he he does. Um, just was saying earlier, he's, he's not a loud guy. He's not real vocal, but... Um, He's really, really competitive, um, and you really see that, you know, on game day. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're better when he's playing. At the quarterback position, Austin Smith was able to get the start again under center. Really, you haven't started a, a – he's still a freshman really at heart, but going back to a Reginald Bell or a, a, a Brogan Roback, for the most part, the last few years have all been guys coming into a program and playing. What's it like? with a homegrown guy who started from the start developing, how different sometimes is it when a guy who's you're molding from the start versus a guy who you're kind of finishing at the end? Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, um, I mean, it's sort of the way of college football and all that right now, but um, you know, you always, uh, you know, want your base to be from developing a relationship with the guy in his junior year of high school and recruiting them and getting to know the family and, uh, bringing them in, and then you know, I think we do a good job of developing players and people, um, and uh, you know, that's a huge part of the satisfaction that you, the challenge and the satisfaction you get from coaching, you know, is having guys come into your program and developing them mm -hmm. to be the best that they can be, and seeing them graduate, right, and then have being in a relationship with them for the rest of their life, mm -hmm. um, and uh, so not to get too philosophical, but yeah, we love the fact that. You know, Austin came early. He came yep. in January and he came 
and and said, I'm coming here. I want to win the mm-hmm. job. I'm coming early so I can learn, so I can so I can compete. And um, you know, it's it's always, you know, there's always lots of learning. I mean, even like, you know, he's got a really good football IQ, but it's still a new system, you know, and so there's just there's a whole new language that you have to learn and all of those things. Um, but yeah, just thinking about him right now as well as he's doing. Um, as a redshirt freshman, you know, and to have um, all those years in front of him, um, you know, he's got a really high ceiling. This week, your opponent becomes the golden flashes of Kent State as they try to keep their bowl hopes alive, uh, able to find a victory on the road. Kent State did against Bowling Green, 40-6 to was that final. But you had the advantage. You were at home sitting either in your office or on your couch watching that game. Is there an advantage playing the night before and, and getting that one extra day lead time over the opponent? Well, we're traveling to them, you know, so that that takes away a little bit from it. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, just regardless, the the extra day, you know, so we played Tuesday night. Um, the guys were off physically Wednesday, Thursday, um, Friday, you know, and then we'll pick back up with practice uh, tomorrow uh, being Saturday. Right. So. It is, it is an extra day in this time of year, even though we're coming off of a bye um, or a 10-day stretch, um, it's, it's very helpful. When you look at their schedule, they didn't shy away from anybody. They had Oklahoma, Washington, and of course, Georgia on their schedule. What do you see that, out of them that they've maybe learned about themselves playing those games to get themselves ready for Mac play? Well, you know, I haven't talked to to Coach Lewis or anything like that about it, but you know, they maybe will in the off season. I was super impressed with how they played um, those games, and then the one game that they yep. had in the non conference that was a home game. You know, they scored sixty three mm-hmm. points, and um, I got to see, um, you know, part of the Washington game. I don't remember why, but um, and uh, I'm talking about like on on yep, TV, on TV, and. and uh, um, you know, with Kalen and, and those guys out there. Um, and I mean, I thought Kent State played well, you know, and then the next week, you know, they played Oklahoma. And I think that was a, was really, a close game, yeah. really close game, you know. Um, and then the the Georgia thing wasn't out of hand, right. you know. And so, um, you know, so just from the outside yep. in, I mean, you have to have, it stinks to lose no matter what. Um, but, you know, I would have thought that there were still do yep. think that there's confidence, you know, from um, playing the caliber that they did um, both an opponent and themselves yep. coming into the league play. Final couple minutes here with Coach Creighton. One, one of the things I look at on paper is, one, they like to play fast. Time of possession, not a big thing for them because they want to score so fast. They've had the, the flash fast is what they've coined. But they also do a really good job attacking defensively. You look at that sack numbers, 23 sacks. When you hear those kind of two things, what does your team need to do to, one, either slow them down or just avoid getting behind the sticks? Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely have a philosophy, and they, they changed, um, you know, their, their defense um, in terms of the leadership. Uh, I think wanting to become more whole or into play complementary mm-hmm. football. Um, again, that's, I, I don't know that for sure. I yep. just, um, and uh, so I think that they want to get that ball back, you know, for their, um, for their offense. Um, and when their offense has it, 
you're right. I mean, they they definitely use tempo and um, now they're running the ball extremely well. Uh, but there's still, it's, you know, always that threat of explosive plays, and that can be in the run game right. and in the pass game. Um, so they're, they're very difficult to defend, um, and, and the defense is, is certainly stout. I mean, you saw that most recently there with, with Bowling Green. I mean, that Bowling Green uh, team that's having the best year yep. that they've had in years, and, and uh, you know, Kent State got them pretty good. And then, uh, yeah, we'll close it out with yesterday, Jose Ramirez got his papers, got his notice that he's been invited to the East-West Shrine Bowl game. An exciting moment for him. You look at his trajectory. A lot of things are very similar to, to kind of Max and, and when he was making that final push. The numbers uh, are similar. How do you see those two in, in comparison at, at this point in their careers? Yeah, uh, it's a good question. Um, I, I think that they're, you know, as players, there's there's similarities, but there's also differences. So, you know, um, Max's length, you know, was just something that, you know, Wiley and Thomas Odekoye and all was just so difficult, um, you know, to to block him. Um, and he had twitch as well and motor. That's what they share is the twitch and the mm-hmm. motor. Um, and uh, you know, Jose, his his effort, you know, with that kind of twitch. And, you know, both those guys just love football. There's there's a lot of people who are talented at football, but they, you know, don't love football. And yeah. then when when the love for football can translate into that, you know, that just determination in season and out to like go after being your your very best. You know, that's why Max is a team captain. Yep. You know, that's why Jose is a team captain. Um and uh, so there are some similarities um, for sure. And I know when the, you know, scouts come through, um, they, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're excited about what Jose's done and think he has a future. Coach, appreciate your time. As always, we'll see you out on the field 6 p.m. in Kent, Ohio, as the Eagles and Golden Flashes battle at Dick Stadium. Appreciate your time as always. Thanks. There he is, head coach Chris Creighton. Alex and I continue on the Eastern Insider right after this. There's only one place in the state of Michigan that takes you straight inside the locker room. And that's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Your chance to get in on the action, bringing you more coverage than any other program in the mitten. Dan Heath coming at you right now, the head men's basketball coach. Coach, let's jump right into it. First and foremost, I would usually wait until the end of the interview to ask this question, but I think you'll agree. You have to give some love to the fans and the alums and the city of Ypsilanti, Detroit, that came out to LCA on Friday night. One of the most unbelievable atmospheres you'll see at an early season college basketball game. And for a lot of Eastern Michigan fans, maybe the best atmosphere they've been a part of in the last couple of decades. Wow. You know, incredible crowd. And, you know, for our players, our fans that just have that kind of an experience to be in a pro and arena with, you know, so many fans and, um, you know, seeing so many kids that are local, you know, from Detroit or from the area uh, was was quite a thing for for our program and a great experience, uh, you know, as a whole. And, um, you know, I, you know, obviously we wish we would won the game, but everything else, you just checked a lot of boxes in terms of what a great experience we all had. What does it say about the roster that you've put together that this game felt like an NCAA tournament game. It looked like an NCAA tournament game. And what I mean by that is, boy, when you watched your team play, it looked like these guys have been gelling together for months. This was their second game as a group together. Yeah, it was. And, um, you know, honestly, the first time kind of only two games with 
uh, Imani as well, too. I, I really think our team, what helps our chemistry is the fact they like each other. Uh, so when you like each other and you want to play with each other, it translates into the court, even though there's some things, you know, maybe execution-wise or scheme-wise or things we can improve on. But um, those guys like each other. You know, I saw a lot of hugging, smiles, high fives, all those different things, encouragement uh, from each other. And I think that goes a long way. We want to keep that as something that's a part of our identity uh, for Eastern Michigan basketball. You've been a part of a lot of staffs and a lot of teams that kind of fit that blue collar underdog type of mantra. Even your, your national championship team that you're a part of at Michigan State, your Kent State team, and all the way through your career. When you see Noah Farrakhan cross over a Michigan defender and hit a three and and let people know he's there. When you see Imani, obviously we didn't like the technical but but letting out a little bit of uh, frustration, if you will, when when they're playing, when you see your team stick together like that, get a little talkative, get a little aggressive, but keep it under control. Is that the kind of the kind of fight you want to see from your team early on? And, and what does that say about the group you have? Absolutely. You know, I, these are 18, 19, 20 year olds and they've got a lot of emotion inside of them. And I want them to play with emotion. I think that's a big deal. I think it it, it feeds into your intensity level that you play with and uh, how much you want to win, how, how badly it means to you. So all those different things. So obviously we've got to understand like, hey, where the lines are drawn and and not cross them. Um, But showing emotion, showing passion out there on the court, uh, not only is it good for your team, it's great for your fans. Your fans want to see that. You know, they love to see younger guys out there with passion. And uh, we really want that a part of our our identity. That's who we are. Uh, We care. We want to win. Um, We care for each other. We want each other to be successful as well, too. Um, And I think that translates into how hard you play on the defensive end, how hard you run the court, uh, how hard and aggressive you play as a whole, as a team. So, um, you know, I definitely like that about our guys. It's something that's very attractive to me when I go out recruiting guys that guys that have emotion and intensity. Okay, I know you are, are a big X's and O's guy. You don't care nearly as much as I do about the social media and the trending and that type of thing. But taking your X's and O's hats off and putting your CEO of a program hat on for a minute. When I look at you and tell you for 10 hours after that game, Eastern Michigan was trending nationally. The name of Monty Bates was the number one trend in the country. You saw some of the high rollers sitting courtside at that game. It felt like a massive game, and it was a massive game. As somebody trying to win this year, but also to build a program, restore some of the greatness to Eastern Michigan, how big is a night like Friday night was? Obviously wanted to win, but... How good is that also for the players to experience what that looks like when people are passionate about the program? Well, I, I do agree with you on all those things. And, and you're right. I, I'm not necessarily a, a social media buff and, and, and just, you know, just always online or all those different things. But I do know the big picture of building not just a one season of having success, but long term sustaining success. Um, all those things matter. You know, if all of a sudden your name is uh, being talked about from a national aspect. Um, it allows you as a coach, you go out to a gym. And you see kids and oh, yeah, it's Eastern Michigan. That's where so-and-so plays. So it helps kind of build your brand and open up doors that maybe won't weren't open before. Um, so in the big picture of all things, I, I think that's a great thing for our university. It's great for our basketball program. Um, and it can only help us. And, you know, we want to, you know, use that to our advantage. It's, it's one game. And, and obviously, you know, we didn't get the win. We wanted the win. But I think so many positives came from the game. But at the same time, if we don't build on it, we don't win, we go down here to Bradley, when we get our next game, Oakland University, whatever it is, then we just did all this for not. So if we really got to build on what we've done. And, and it's important that we stay paired. We stay connected. We're a team that uh, uh, is, continues to grow, build ourselves to where we can be. My listeners will already 
go crazy at me for some reason on this episode. They'll certainly go crazy if I don't ask about Amani Bates. It's easy to talk about a lot of your players from Friday night, such skill and ability on the court. Amani Bates puts up 30 points. One thing that I noticed nationally is there's a lot of people with a lot of basketball acumen that said the phrase, he wasn't just making shots. Those are pro shots. From a guy who's been in the pros, who's been around college basketball, what is the difference between putting up a 30 points and then the way Amani put up 30 points against Michigan? He's got a target on his back and you know, uh, Whenever we play, there's going to be not just, you know, one guy defending him, but there's going to be multiple guys defending him. And a team is going to be defending him, knowing that when he comes off the screen, it's going to be extra help. There's going to be extra attention. So he's going to have to make a little harder plays. I do think when the basic fundamental of catch and shoot, he is an elite catch and shoot guy. He's not going to get a lot of those. And he's refined his skills well enough that he knows how to get separation in space, you know, through dribble moves or step backs or all those different things. And, uh, you know, when you look at his numbers, whether it was the, the exhibition game or game he's now he's played, efficiency is something he and I talk about. Of just being an efficient player, being over 50% from the field or over 35% from three, uh, he's hitting those marks. So that's a big deal. And and that tells you, uh, you know, that, yeah, he, he, you know, I was in the NBA and I was watching those guys and he does have those kind of shot making skills to be able to create the separation. He's 6'9", 6'10", so he doesn't need a lot of, uh, you know, jumping ability or anything like to get those shots off because very few defenders on the perimeter can challenge those. Well, not a lot of us can make a shot from the, the half court logo like he did. You mentioned efficiency, 70% efficiency for Monty Bates. That's the best non-Power 5 performance against the University of Michigan since 2011. So over a decade and, and nobody's done that against Michigan. Let's flip real quick to your scouting report for Bradley. You guys you guys will get the Cancun Challenge underway with a campus game in Peoria, Illinois tomorrow night. A good Bradley team. You mentioned it a little bit earlier, so answer me this. How important is it as a building block for your program? It's easy, right? LCA, 15,000 people. You're playing a ranked team. The lights come on. It's easy to be inspired. How do you get inspired to go to Peoria, Illinois on a Tuesday night, an 8 o'clock tip-off? Is that almost going to tell you more about your team than the way they played on Friday night? Absolutely. It's going to tell me a lot about my team. And I feel good and comfortable that I really feel like we're going to respond. I don't, I don't think our guys left the locker room against Michigan feeling like, oh, we're happy we played it close. I don't feel that at all. None of us think that way. I also feel like this team has aspirations to do special things. And to do that, you have to win games. And winning on the road is very difficult. No matter who you're playing, we're playing Missouri Valley opponent on their home court. Not going to be easy. We're going to have to bring a, a very high level game. We've got to be a team that, that defends. we got to be a team that executes. We got to do little things with it's boxing out uh, because they're going to play with great emotions. They're going to have their fans behind them. Uh, they're going to, you know, target us. They're going to be physical. They're going to try to rub things up. Hopefully we get a good whistle back and forth. You never know how that goes. But uh, yeah, this is going to tell me a lot about my team because winning on the road is a big deal. And if you can win on the road, it builds character, it builds your, your camaraderie of your team because you know you went through some things together. You have to have that us mentality like, hey, it's us and that's all we got. And we got to stick by each other and we got to stick with each other. ESPN Plus tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central Time, Eastern Michigan versus Bradley. Coach, safe travels to Peoria. Good luck. Hopefully we'll get you back with a win and then a big matchup again on Saturday against another local team. Absolutely. Got Oakland on Saturday, but thanks so much, Alex, and we look forward to the game. The only show that brings you all things Eastern all the time. It's the Eastern Insider Podcast, presented by Folding Warehouse, Ipsy and Arbor, and Learfield. 
Welcome back to the Eastern Insider Podcast. It's time for five good minutes with our women's head basketball coach, Fred Castro, his team back in town, safe and sound after a 2-0 start to the season. They were at Southern Illinois University Edwardsville yesterday, 71-62 to winners. Coach, one home game, one road game in the books. From a 30,000-foot view, what's the initial thoughts on the first week of the season? Uh, well, really excited that we're 2-0. and um, I think we've learned quite a bit, uh, both doing positive things and things that we need to get better. I was really proud of our, our kids' effort on the road. You know, play, we, it was the first time all year, whether it's exhibition or whatnot, that we had got uh, on the bus. And, and it wasn't just a little two-hour trip. It was, it was a haul. Um, so it was, it was nice to see us go out on the road and, uh, get a quality win and head back home to a no, knowing that we have five games, uh, at home ahead of us. Two and oh, for the first time since 1819, I know early season is all about learning and getting into a groove. You've got a lot of young players, especially that are trying to learn how to win. I know it's a lot to still go in the season, but how important is 2-0 and from the head coach's perspective just to start adding some confidence to some of the, the student-athletes resume and getting them feeling comfortable uh, with winning as the season goes on? Yeah, it's always great when you you can learn and you win, right? That's that's kind of what you want. And uh, there's, the truth is it is it is a new team, new roster, uh, new players, new chemistry, there's a lot of different variables and, uh, you know, first time being in um, on the road adversity, officials, uh, seeing different looks from different teams, uh, different personnel. So it's all new, but it's it's how you learn. And uh, there's there's no way a coach a, a coach would prefer to learn than by winning and learning. Well, let's talk a little bit on the court. Uh, if I would have talked to you a week ago before you guys started playing in the regular season and asked you something you were really confident in that you were going to see from the team, what is one of the things that you think has materialized through two games? I know, again, small sample size, but what's something you've been really happy with through the two games? No, we play hard. I, th- I think we've played hard. I mean, we played our first game with with seven players uh suiting up and playing for us uh we actually had a little bit more depth not a lot but a little bit more uh against siu edwardsville and the you know i felt confident that we played really hard uh both games um you know that didn't always mean we executed that doesn't mean we always made the right choices but i felt that our team as a whole did what uh everything they could in terms of playing with intensity and and really defending um, and then offensively, I, I think, you know, we've got two games now, an exhibition game where we have multiple people score in double figures. And that balance offensively is really exciting to us. Talk to me about a newcomer through two games, um, whether it's they've been here and this is the first time on the court with you guys or somebody that's completely new to the program that you've been really happy about uh, in this first week of play. Yeah. You know, I think that. The good thing is that there's a number of people that we can name, right? I think uh, Ozzy and Tyra, you know, stick out because we just got done playing SIU Edwardsville, and it was clear that the game plan for them was designed to disrupt them, right? And that's where you see their impact and what they can do and um, how teams have to prepare for them. And, uh, you know, Ozzy had a double-double her first game, and then Tyra had, I think, double figures uh, in 18 minutes of play 
yesterday against SIU Edwardsville. So uh, it's nice to get that post-production. Well, you mentioned it, five home games coming up. Your team has not had a stretch. Well, Eastern Michigan's program has not had a stretch of this many non-conference home games in about a decade. How big of a deal is it to be playing at home? How important is that for being able to develop through the rest of the season, but getting to do it from the comfort of the George Griffin game above center? No, it's, it's, it's huge. Um, you know, and, and playing in the confines of your home, really getting to develop, really getting to build that fan base, um, hopefully create an environment that um, our players feel incredibly uh, proud and confident in and our fan base that, Hey, they're going to come when they come watch EMU women's basketball, they're going to see, uh, something that they can be proud of. And, you know, it's, it's really hard to schedule five consecutive home games. That that's just, uh, a little bit of luck and a lot of planning. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy that we were able to do it and, and really appreciative to administration, uh, for helping us uh, get it accomplished. Five minutes and 30 seconds. Not too bad on the five-minute drill here with Coach Fred Castro, the women's team. His team back in action at home on Saturday against Florida A&M, 1 p.m. And, Coach, congrats on the first road win of the season. And as you and I have both experienced together, any road trip where you don't get stuck in snow for about 12 hours is a good one, especially when you can add the win. You know, we started headed uh, headed to SIU about three hours in. It started snowing on us pretty hard. And I said, oh, no. And then we just kept on fighting through and we found a way and we made it back home, uh, all home and healthy and uh, with a win. So all in all, a great first trip. Coach, congrats on the win. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you on Saturday. Thanks, Alex. This has been another edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast, powered by Learfield. Tune in every Monday for new episodes all year long. And don't forget to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts for all of our episodes on demand.